0: good afternoon and welcome to the the second installment of our new series an afternoon with and we've got a very special guest who you can see beside me here uh, we We've had some amazing questions uh, come in, which I'm going to get to Carly throughout uh, th- throughout this next 45 minutes. Uh, but I just want to say a big thank you to those who submitted questions. So we had Jaden, Davy, Matthew, Emily, Nicole, Ben, Hallie, Dylan, Lathan, Joseph, Tammy, Charlie, Lucy, Miss Sefton, Tyler, Michael, Tanya, Craig, Darcy, Ashton, Karis, Caleb, and Mister Seaton all submitted questions. Uh, so looking forward to getting to them. Uh, if I if I don't ask your question directly it might be because carly's already answered it in a way or um there's some duplication with questions all right but hopefully any any of the answers you want we'll we'll get to uh like i said this is the second installment you can go back and watch the first one with david fisher the editor of his dark materials and doctor who uh and you can get that at careers.tanfieldschool.co.uk so it's amazing today uh, and uh, a real privilege to be joined by Carly Telford. Carly's a professional footballer who plays as goalkeeper for the Lionesses England team and Chelsea Football Club and a former student of Tanfield School. Hi, Carly. How are you doing? Hi. You
1: all right? Mr. Mr. I have to call you by that.
0: I feel like whenever <laughs> I have to address them as a teacher, it's only right. <laughs> uh, so can we let's jump right in at the deep end um and we've got our first question which is a video uh, from lucy so i'm just going to play it here for you
1: hi carly what is your proudest achievement in football
0: so lucy's asking what's your proudest achievement in football
1: okay thanks for that lucy okay so i guess my proudest achievement in football is playing in a world cup i think that when you start as a little girl um And I guess all you're doing is playing with some of your mates that I went to school with. Um, I guess you all kind of run around thinking you're a a player. So I used to around think I was David Beckham, that I was all these amazing players that I would see on the TV. And one day that I wanted to be like them. But I guess never did I think that I would stand on one of the biggest stages in the world playing against Argentina in front of, I think it was 34,000, 35,000 people with millions of people watching back home in one of the greatest shows in the world in the world cup so i think that's my greatest achievement ever because i finally got to make it onto the big stage or the biggest stage in the world um and yeah i think that as i grew up and realized what i could achieve that was that was kind of the thing i wanted to do and and there i was two years ago doing it so um yeah
0: <laughs> amazing we were, we were watching it as well. Uh, So back in uh, 2019, we were in our uh, morning meeting times. We were, we, we were watching like the highlights of the games from the night before. Um, So the the school were right behind you and and cheering you on for that. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I'm going to ask a a question from Miss Johnson, uh, who, who, and it kind of relates to, to you kind of performing on that big stage. Like you said, Uh, what, what does it feel like when you save a goal? Uh, that's particularly like a game-changing save. I, what does what that? What feelings do you get?
1: Um, it's kind of just like an adrenaline rush because I think f- for me, like being being a goal for England and Chelsea are quite similar. Like I'm not very busy as a goalkeeper. Like so, a lot of the time, it's just about concentration and knowing about I'm, I'm prepared for that moment because being a goalkeeper, it's, it's small snippets of the game. You're not involved all the time. So I think knowing that I'm prepared when I cross that white line, I sing the national anthem and then I'm just ready for anything because that is the, the cool thing about football and the mad thing about football is that anything can happen in those 90 minutes. You could be stood for 90 minutes doing absolutely nothing. You could be stood making save after save or you could be called upon for that one moment. So you might have stood doing nothing for 89 minutes and then that ball comes into your area And you've got to make a save. And am I prepared for that moment? Am I nervous? No, because I've done it a million times. I've prepared. I've trained hard. I've watched clips. I know what the players are going to do. Um, And then in that moment, I'm prepared and I make that save. And then it's just kind of that I knew I was ready for it. And then, But at the same time, you're absolutely buzzing because usually there's a big cheer from behind you or around you. Your teammates are usually giving you a little bit of up or a well done. And yeah, it's just about being prepared and, and making sure that in that moment, I enjoy it as well because after the game, I think you're just kind of like relieved because there's so much sometimes pressure on those moments as well that for you to make a save when you've been not doing a lot. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like an absolute buzz. It's probably the same, you just feel like a little kid again. Like it just takes you back to like being in a park where you're mates and winning like co-op or 1v1s or World Cups, whatever we used to play. Like it's just a feeling that I think I've always had is, is when I play the game and it's it's the game that I love. So yeah, it's just like, I and I mean, I'm 33, I throw myself around in a field. I can't,
0: I still, I still am a kid, technically. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I there's probably, I think there's a lot of similarities there, isn't there, between kind of what you just said and and a, and a student at school that um, there's there's a lot and lot lot of preparation goes into to a moment that's going to happen, and I'm thinking primarily about exams and things like that, uh, where you, you do a lot of preparation just for a, a single moment, and and could you just tell us what does that take a lot of drive does it take a lot of determination to be able to to prepare for something that could be quite quite far down the line or could could come at any unexpected moment
1: yeah for sure like it, it, it does take a lot and trust me it's easier to prepare for something that you love doing than prepare for something you don't and i wasn't the greatest student um, and when I look back at school, like, I knew probably a lot that I should have studied more and, and worked harder in certain certain subjects. PE, I was just like, it's a breeze. I love PE. I'm going to study. I'm going to do what I'm told. And um, I listen to the teachers, uh, perhaps in maths and science, where I wasn't that fussed by it or RE or, or certain technologies, food technology. I wasn't fussed. So I was just like, eh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to need those in life anyway. but not that I didn't do well in those things but I just didn't probably put as much effort and as time into them and therefore I got the results I deserved. I was a probably a a B student um, on paper but I come away with a lot of C's um, because I didn't do probably or work as hard as I should have Um, and yeah that hasn't gone on to affect me. Look I've gone on to do lots of cool things in life and get degrees and stuff in in lots of different things but I just think looking back I just think if I had just been as diligent as I am with my football as I as I was as I as I should have been at school and uh, maybe I could have done a lot more and I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more um but again as a kid you just think oh well I've got lots of years ahead of me there'll be lots more opportunities and and there are that it's not to say that when you get C's and D's you can't go on to still do amazing things but I just think preparation is something that does build you for that moment and it takes away the nervousness. It takes away the anxiety. It takes away the all the things that can make you apprehensive about doing something that is going to result in something. Because that is at the end of the day, like when I cross that white line, it's all about winning for me, keeping clean sheets and winning. And it's the same when you go into an exam. It's all about well, what do I want to achieve in this exam? What is my goal? If my goal is a B, have I done enough work to get that B before I've even crossed, walked into that hall to do the work, to do the exam? And I think, you know, when you go into that exam hall, whether you're going to get that B or not, because, you know, if you've done the work nine times out of 10. And yes, again, the the girls that went and got A's and B's like they were. The ones that worked hardest, they were the ones that sat in the front of the class at school and kind of we were all like, oh, you always put your hand up or like that. But they've gone on to do amazing things and got and, So I'm just like, you've got to take those little bit of life lessons of. Yes, like you just do just do the work that your teachers are asking to you and that will be enough. But if you want to do even more and excel more, you have to put in extra. If you want to be the best at something, that is that is what I would say. Always do more than what's asked of you if you want to achieve more than everyone else. And that will bring the results that you need.
0: Yeah, uh, I can't believe he didn't put effort into re. I'm shocked, Carly. You were going to kill me with the word re. I was like, <laughs> uh, I'm in trouble. There's a question which relates to that really well uh, from Mister Seaton, uh, the the head of science. And Mister Seaton taught you, didn't he? Yeah, he did.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he asks. Uh, uh, so he, he clearly thinks you you, you did really well uh, when you were at Tanfield. And he says, how were you able to motivate yourself in all of your subjects when you clearly had a passion um, for, for one, that being sport?
1: I think it's, it's sport in general. I think if you're quite a sporty person, um, like you just have this thing about winning. Like you want to win all the time and, and lots of different things. And you want to be the best at everything. And when you're not, you're kind of like, well, why? And I don't like it. I don't like losing at something. I don't like not being the best. I don't like not being near the top of the class or in the top forms. Like it was kind of like and my mum as well. My mum would be like, well, why are you not doing well? Are oh, you not doing your homework? I don't want to go to parents even hearing that you, you're messing around or whatever. Like my mum was such a big driver. Us all, All three of us, me, my brother and sister, all being educated so that we could do what we want in life because i think she has always lived local she did travel the world for a little period of time but she ended up um having me which made her stay in stanley um, and i think she was kind of not that she didn't want that for us i think she just wanted us all to have the best opportunity in life and for us to be able to she made sure we were doing our homework that we parents even wasn't difficult for her and if it was we'd come home and we'd know about it and um, i think she was the driver in in most things and wanting us to do well and making sure that I was wasn't getting detentions and that I was doing the work that was required of me but again I think playing sport like I just I just hated being last uh, there was no chance I was going to be in bottom set for anything like I was like not a chance like that's just not good for me and I know I'm going to get in trouble when I get home and um, so just making sure that even if I wasn't the best at something I was at least second best or at worst third like I was at least on the podium for something like fourth and fifth just wasn't acceptable because that just meant that I was just not putting effort in and that's just not good enough I think in life there's something you can always give and that's hard work like you might not be the best skilled you might not be the most educated whatever but you can work hard and I think in sport that's something that's like the foundation for everything like you can always put the graft in Um, and I think that for me like maybe I wasn't the most talented I wasn't always given an easy lift I wasn't always selected I wasn't always picked Um, and so I had to go away and and work hard and find a way to be selected and be picked and, and make myself a little bit different what 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 am I doing that they're not doing or what are they doing that I can do better than them and I think that's what what it is there's always something you can find that makes you a little bit different from someone that you can be really good at and that's what the beauty of life is, is that we're all different no one person's the same so there is going to be something you're really good at that someone isn't so find it harness it take it speak to your teachers about it speak to your coaches about it if you're if you're a sports person and really just go after it and enjoy it and I think that that's what I did with with football and I guess in school I was just I really just didn't want to be last or near the bottom of anything so I think that's why I had I was kind of really good at one thing which was my sport but I was kind of actually okay at a lot of other things as well because I just didn't want to be the worst at anything um and I just made sure that I kind of spread spread that around my subjects um and yeah and kind of come away with the, the right results I needed to get me on that next step which was college and university
0: yeah, it, it sounds like you, a lot of what you're talking about is like it's taking ownership of it. Of it, it's just not yeah. not just letting let the world around you happen to you, but you actually grabbing it and taking ownership of what where you want to be and what you want to do.
1: For sure, and that's it. Like you, you are like you are the driver of your your own destiny. Like effectively, like no one's going to come and give it to you. Like your teachers have to look after like a hundred pupils a day. Like so, they haven't got time to just take everyone side by side and be like like. Do you want to do this? Do you, no, you sometimes have to go to your teacher. You have to be that person to say, "Look, Miss, I'm really struggling at this. How do I do this? What do what should I do? Like, I really don't understand this." And the teachers will always be there for you. But sometimes, as a as a pupil, you just think, "Oh well, they're not helping me. They're not doing enough for me. They're not." These people have a lot of stuff to do. You realise when you get out of school and you grow up, like teachers are like absolute diamonds. <laughs> like, and I wish like I was back in school and I give my teachers a hell of a lot more respect than what I probably did. But at the same time, that I think that's probably from stuff I'm doing. Like, this is just, like, they're also the best people in the world. Like, some some of the girls I, I train with now who are still in school, and doing their A-levels, they love their teachers. And I think that's it. It's not about being a friend, but you use them. Use their life experiences. Use, and use other experiences they've had with pupils. Um, speak, Just speak to your teachers. I think that we're so scared sometimes to ask for help as kids. But, like, that is the best thing you can do. That is what they're there for. Like, use them. Use them to... What do you want to do in life? How do I succeed? How do I be this person? How do I get better at something? That's what they want to hear. That's what they love to do is to help you as a person. And I think sometimes you just think the teachers are there to bug the life out. Of you make your life harder, <laughs> tell you what to do all the time. And they're only doing it actually to make you a better person and to get you ready for a life when you leave that school. And that is the biggest thing I think that I've learned of like of what I should have learned at school a lot more quicker than what I did is that they're the best people to help you through five years of some of the most difficult times in your life. You're going from a child to a little mini adult and you've got all these things going on in the world and just use your teachers. Like they, they love, they love you for it. Like they, they're only going to help you. Like it's what they're there to do.
0: Yeah. That's a hundred percent. And, uh, uh, next time, I, if I'm ever writing a CV, I'm going to ask you to write my CV for me, Carly. That was, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm good. W- what, what was that?
1: Hats off to you guys. Like, <laughs> obviously, I, I, like me and the girls discuss it all the time. I just like, and some of the girls, like I say, I train me that train with that still at school. I'm like, I wish it was at school. Like, it's a mad thing to say because all you want to do when you're at school is not be at school, and you find every other way to, whether you fake being sick, try and get out of lessons, whatever you're trying to do, spend your time trying to get out of it, and not and ignoring the teachers, and then you leave school and you grow up a little bit, and you think actually life was really easy when I was at school. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not that hard. Like, we just go back a little bit, can we just hit rewind sometimes? Um, yeah, just. <laughs> And enjoy it like schools schools
0: school can be a fun place to be Let, let's well let's do that um this, this is a really smooth link here let's 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 rewind back to when you were at school and kind of see how how you got from where you were um growing growing up in stanley uh going to tanfield school and how you how you become a, an international footballer really and i just to start us off in this in this bit is a question from Karis and it's also a question that was asked by Michael, Matthew and Davy. Um so there's a lot of people that want to know the answer to this. <laughs> uh, but I'll 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 play it for you.
1: Who or what inspired you to become a footballer?
0: So Karis is asking, who inspired you to become a footballer?
1: Okay, so um my dad. So Pretty plain and simple. Um, My dad played football on a Sunday, uh, played cricket on a Saturday, football on a Sunday. My mum would either, he would take us with us because mum was like, we need to get kids out of the house. they're really annoying. Or we're all going as a family and it's a nice day. It's a bit of summertime um, and let us just run around. And of course, when you go to somewhere like that, there's lots of other kids. And the first thing we would do is find as many kids as we could and just play whether we were just running amok or we would just, the football would come out and it'd just be like, 20 v 20 massive field like just run run for days and ends and and um, when I went to my primary school as well um when I moved up from London I used to live in London uh, for a little bit um I went to shield Row primary school which was just along the road from me and um first thing we did when we go out on the playground was the football would come out and I'd go straight over and just join in of course the lads were like okay cool I didn't really think about it um, I actually had a little Cockney accent and so did one of my best friends who uh, Craig Salk held at the time so we found a little bond that we actually sounded quite similar and we didn't know why we sound different to everyone else but we slowly lost our little um, Cockney accents and became um, little Geordies and we just we just play all the time and he would knock on my door knock on his we'd have a gang together and we'd just go around the football field and just play until it was dark and then that carried on and I think my dad was the person that drove me to all my football practices. He was the kind of the guy that always would not tell me to do better, but just what do you want to do? Do you want to keep playing on days where I was like, I don't know if i enjoyed it anymore. It's really cool. It's really wet. Um, I just want to hang out with my mates after school. Um, and he'd be the one that'd be like, no, come on, it's in the car. You've got to go football practice. Um, and, and he would pick me up. And yeah, I think my dad. my dad is my biggest inspiration. And not because he was massively successful at football he, he did all right um he played in the lower leagues or whatever but he was just the guy that i just wanted to be like um and people say i look quite similar to him or whatever as well so it might be a little bit of that but yeah he was he was the first guy that i guess i booked to go into the garden and play with play football with me um until my brother was old enough and i could kick balls at him um so he was the first person i think that was the person that that made me want to be a footballer which is pretty crazy really
0: yeah, no, that's class. Um, in, in fact, <laughs> uh, I just had to double-check because we did. We got a, actually got a question in from Craig Salkeld. Uh, so I he, knew you were <laughs> message me. I
1: was going to tell
0: you to He's saying, who was your best friend growing up? But you, I think you've already answered that. The <laughs> oh, uh, It's a nightmare. But I'm glad
1: it was just
0: that sort <laughs> of question. You put a lot worse in there, trust <laughs> me. <laughs> so, um, uh, it did... Uh, PE at school have a big influence on on kind of your your love for sport and, and kind of getting you into into that arena
1: yeah I think for me all I did was play football I loved playing football and I loved running so when it came to football I was like all right cool I can do this but then like because we used to get separated and all of a sudden there was a, a girls changing room and a boys changing room and I had to do like sports that I had classes girly I wasn't too comfortable, so I ended up having to start playing netball. And Miss Mitchell at the time used to make me wear a dress, a uh, skirt, sorry, I used to have to wear a skirt for things and I hated. And I was like, I don't want to, so a lot of the time I'd refuse not refuse to wear a skirt, but I'd put it on very reluctantly. Um and the girls who were my friends at the time, um, Jade High, Kelly, like were can you play on the netball team? Because I'd run around the most. So can you play centre? Can you run around? Can you do this? And I was like, I don't want to play netball, don't want to wear a skirt. I didn't want to do dance which the girls would love to do in so I was made to do dance <laughs> but it just really I guess took me out of my comfort zone but also like I laughed a lot in those moments I was embarrassed a lot in those moments but I also had a lot of fun in those moments and looking back I think again it, I think you've got to be a bit uncomfortable sometimes and there are going to be stuff especially in school and outside of school that you're going to be uncomfortable with and I think it just helps you learn who you are and what you love and but also overcome moments of, of stress and anxiety. And I used to get really stressed when I knew it was, like I was going to have to do dancing because I hate I hated it. And I just felt like I was up there embarrassing myself and everyone was watching me. And and I just, uh, yeah, it was just really uncomfortable. But at the same time, like I knew Miss Mitchell was doing it for the for the best of my, it was really going to help me in the long term. I mean, of course it helped me in the clubs now when I'm outside. I do step in and in a
0: club. <laughs>
1: but, um, not that I go to very often. Um, but yeah, I think that those things they, they do help you grow and um but I loved PE and I, I when I was when we got to like year nine, I was allowed to do two hours of PE in an afternoon. I was like, This is the dream, like the two hours of just PE in the afternoon. Mean me and my mates, and I used to get on loads of like, see, I'd sign myself up for everything so then I got off school. I was like, Yeah, I'm up for this. So I'll sign myself up for cross country challenges, I'll sign myself up for athletics to get to go off site, I get and go on a bus I get to go somewhere with my mates and have the afternoon off school or the morning off school or the day off school Um yeah so I just I just love doing any sport as long as it wasn't dancing <laughs> <laughs> um, even netball I end up playing the netball games and, and having some of the best rivalries where we used to go to like um uh, what was Blackfine we, we used to have a big rivalry with them like the those sorts of schools where you travel to and and you'd be like nervous on the bus because you were just like, you knew they were going to be a good team and you knew they were going to be a bit nasty. And it was that big rivalry of like the nerve. But I also, I think that was when I first got my first taste of like, like having nerves before a game and stuff like that. And I just think that looking back, like that's built me up for crossing a white line in a World Cup, like in a strange sort of way, like those first nerves of like playing a sport where it actually meant something. Like to the girls, like it was just all day. We'd be building up to that, like oh my god, we have got a game tonight. Like I hope we're gonna win. Like we need to beat them. Like th- those sorts of chats that you have, like they're really cool. And and yeah, you make you also make some friendships with people that you don't necessarily think you make friends with because they're in different form classes or you don't cr- come across their paths. But then all of a sudden you're in a team together because and you've got this one goal of beating this other team. Like you suddenly make friendships that you didn't think you'd make, and then. Um, yeah they're just they're just all part of of I guess skills that you need later in life that you don't know you need until later in life <laughs> but they're all gearing you up for that like for that for the moments and then um, yeah I just PE was just my my escape from books and like I, say, I wasn't the greatest student in the world and I didn't like having a study but when I went when I just was able to put my trainers on and my PE kit I was just like this is best, this is class, <laughs> let me do this for
0: the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, you talked about that, just about getting nervous for those competitions when you were in school, uh, do, do you still get nervous? So when you go on t- onto the pitch um, for Chelsea, for England, is, is are those nerves still there?
1: Yeah, I, but I'd say it's like a different kind of nerves. I think that the nerves are more of excitement nerves rather than like, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to do well. Well, which was always the kind of thing because when you're in school as well, if you're the best at something and you always get put forward. So, if I was the best girl running across country, then I'd be put forward to run like the national schools or whatever it was. But then all of a sudden, you're in an arena where like you don't know what everyone else is like, and maybe you're not the best, and that's just weird. But I think for me, when I cross when, I, when I'm playing for Chelsea or England, it's like the nerve. Are more excitement because I know a lot of the players I'm playing against and I know how well I can perform, but also again, it goes back to that preparation. Like, once upon a time, I was nervous because I'd, I hadn't trained for it, I didn't know what to expect, but now I'm at a level where I have to know I've prepared the most. And I think being in my position, I haven't always been number one choice where I've played, um, but I've always been kind of slung into mad situations. So, the the World Cup was a great example, I wasn't number one, but Karen Barty got injured and all of a sudden I was playing in a semi-final of a World Cup which I'd never done before but I knew that I'd always had the right mindset to always think what if like there's always a chance I might play there's always a chance I might get an opportunity but if I ever cross that white line and I'm underprepared then I am going to be feeling nervous and I am not going to do well and I'm probably going to make mistakes because I know I'm not I haven't done the right things beforehand so I think for me it's like always preparing to make sure that I'm ready for a moment. Like we were discussing earlier, like it's being ready for that moment and that moment can come at any time. So I think doing the the hard graft and the hard yards, make sure that you can perform at that moment. And I think that it's about coming off the pitch with no regrets and, and nerves is a thing. I think that I'll always have just because it always means so much to me. Like winning is always means so much to me. And I think that's the nerves that I feel now is just because I'm so desperate to win all the time. Um. And it's, but it's, it's more like a nervous of excitement rather than nerves of, of worry and anxiety and stress, if that makes sense. So I think I've been able to change as I've grown up and learned those things. And it's, it's, it's changing those stresses from, uh, I guess, negative stresses into positive stresses, because. The more positive you are entering a pitch or entering an office or entering exams, the more probably positive result you're going to have. The more negative you feel, I think that does affect on your performance, whether that's an exam performance or a playing performance. And I think that's what I've learned over these these tender years of all the age and gathering.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, well, I, go, I go watch Newcastle United play um, when I can. Obviously not not at all at the moment, but um, hopefully we get back to St James's Park soon. But um, I always... When when the music comes on, you know when a local hero comes on just before the players come yeah. onto the pitch, and and kind of the whole crowd gets really excited. I always think to myself, it must be the most amazing feeling in the world to be in that tunnel right now, like to to feel the roar in the stadium and then have that music playing. It just the the must nothing must beat it. So to to be in the tunnel and to be to be playing at the 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 top of your game, um, for Chelsea for England, um, that feeling just it must be incomparable to anything else.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely stood in the tunnel and can hear, like, the crowd outside, like, chanting and shouting or whatever, and it's just, it's like a... Like, you still can't believe it's true because you go from being this, like, little kid at Stanley kicking the ball around with your mates to now being in a tunnel ready to walk out in front of thousands and thousands of people with the TV on and stuff like that, and it's just, like, a. sometimes, like, you do have to pinch yourself, like, because it just doesn't seem real, like... And it's just... I still, like... (laughs) The, the cameras have caught me before but I still usually have the most cheesiest grin walking out that time I try not because <laughs> I'm like game face game face game face don't look like you're, you're enjoying it too much <laughs> um, but it is like, I have to like I'm just grinning because I'm just inside I'm like what 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 is going on like how how is has this happened like how are you stood here right now like about to walk out with some of your best like I've grown up with, I've been so lucky to grow up with some of like my best friends and I'm stood in a tunnel like about to represent my country for for however much time however many time it is and I still get that same feeling, whether it's whether it's like say a, a lesser nation we're playing, or a lower ranked nation, or whether it's like you say in America in a World Cup. Like the feeling's still the same because it's just an absolute dream and pleasure to be able to walk out and, and play for your club and for your country and doing what you love.
0: Yeah, and uh, one day.
1: I would love to walk out to local hero. Like that was like my dream. I was like, <laughs> when they announced like a few home European nations out um, and home Euros. I was just like, please, at one stage you must be SGP, please, please, please be SGP. <laughs> then it was like not announced. was like, <laughs> I was, like that, that would be the dream. Um, but yeah, I, I just yeah, I, I don't know how the guys don't. Um, I think you have whether you have to be local or what to appreciate that that moment walking out to to local hero or not. But. I don't know how you're not buzzing when you walk out with that amount yeah. of people, like would absolutely crackers for you. Um and would love would pay it so much so many amounts of money um to be in your position. Um yeah, I just I just love the ground. I always say to the girls when they come over, a lot of our international girls, they're like, Oh, what ground should I go and watch a game at? I'm like St. James's Park. Without a doubt, you've got to go there. Not Arsenal, not none of this stuff that looks pretty on TV. Go to that ground and experience an atmosphere that you will never experience in your life. Really? And I'm like, yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you mentioned about uh, about you being from Stanley and uh, Lathan and Joseph, uh, two students have asked. Uh, as you came from a small place like Stanley, did that make your journey to kind of the big stage of professional football more difficult? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I think that's a really good question because I do think that it is is difficult sometimes to to get out of a small village. It's not just it's not just Stanley. I think when I speak to a lot of the girls, we're all from small villages. I think even if you class yourself from London, which seems like a big city, you live in a small village within London. So I think this mentality of if you don't live in a city, it's it's hard to get where you're from is, is is quite false. I think that if if you want to go somewhere and do something then you can make it happen there's always a bus there's always a train there's always a car that can get you out of there and i think for me like when i left tamfield um i lost contact with a lot of my friends because i had to make a really hard decision so the colleges durham sixth form that i wanted to go to a lot of my friends were going to i couldn't play football it didn't exist uh, they didn't have a, a team and um, i wanted to do a levels and i had to make a huge decision because A lot of my friends who I played football with at Sunderland at the time were going to a place called Gateshead College, which was about a 40-minute bus ride and a metro ride if I wanted to go. Um, And I would have to fund that myself, but they had a football academy and I was like, well, that's what I want to do. And also I was going to have to do a BTEC, which again wasn't something I was interested in, but I wanted to play football. So I spent two years, I guess, leaving my friends, my best friends from school Um, while they all went to Durham. I went and studied in Gateshead. So I'd have to get up super early. I'd have to get an hour's hours journey to and from college. I'd spend there all day uh, playing football in the morning and studying in the afternoon. And I loved it. And that got me. It made me a better player, made me a better person. I, I come out with a BTEC in sports science, um, which gave me some equivalences to go to university if I wished. But I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. And yeah, it was, trust me, in winter mornings or when buses would get cancelled because Stanley is on a hill, as we all know, and the buses don't always run when it snows. Um I had to miss school, I had to miss college, Sorry, I had to stay over at my friend's house in Sunderland sometimes. But I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And I think that if you want to get out of Stanley, you can like there there are there are opportunities, you just have to find them. And that's where I think the teachers come in such an and people like yourself, like if you are driven to to go and study outside uh, and do something that's different to everyone else, you can speak to your careers advisors, speak to your teachers. What well, how do I do this? I want to be this, I want to try and do this, and they will find a way to help you do it. Like that's what they're there for. And I I didn't do that, but I was lucky enough to be um at a team at Sunderland where um the coach at the time was kind of leading um the college as as he was like the head of the college So like he was just like wanted to get as many of us who we thought were good footballers to his college as possible and made it happen um and I guess that was you could call it fate or whatever but yeah I think you just have to make your own path again like going back to what you said just own it like no one's gonna tell you where to go or what to do like you have the choice like you have five years of your Secondary school life to figure out what you enjoy and what you love, and then finding out more about it after school or in school by asking your teachers, and then go on from there. And and just and you can achieve it. And that's if I'd not have done that, I think maybe going to Durham, I I don't think I'd be sitting here talking to you saying maybe I would have achieved these things because I wouldn't have continued to play football as much as I did and learn and be coached by great coaches and learn um, great skills that I have. Yeah, and I think that I probably wouldn't be sat here doing that. So I think that that all comes down to me making that hard choice that I could do what everyone else is doing, or I could do what I want to do. And I decided that I want to do what I want to do because that makes me happy as well. So, and it's, I guess it's played out pretty okay. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, This, it kind of ties in with a question that Tammy's asked, and she's, it's quite a broad question in terms of she's just asked, what were you, what were you, Key steps to success, um, and I, ca- I guess you've kind of touched on some of them. But if you could, like, kind of pull them out of your experiences, what what would you say were the, were those key steps?
1: um The key steps, I think that making difficult choices. I think that that's come down to a lot of it. I think that, like, speaking just just previously, I, I had to make a choice um between, I guess, my friends and my comforts, or or being making a difficult choice and, and going into the unknown. But knowing that as well, that I would make new friends and I would make more friends. It's not just new friends as well. I said I'm old friends, but I also made a new group of friends as well, which was, was amazing. And I experienced a total new life because I was also exposed to nightlife in Newcastle and going out and being in a big city. Um, I think, so yeah, I think making difficult choices, but the right choices. Um, I think that hard work and, and not giving up when you have rejection um, so, I was selected uh, to go to a, 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 ta- a talent camp. I guess you could class it as. Um, when I was under fifteen, I was fourteen years old. So I just thought, all right, brilliant. I'm going to make it. This is this is me. I'm going to play for England. And I got a letter through the door saying that I wasn't good enough, basically. And I did cry over it. Um, but at the same time, um, my dad was like, mum and dad were like, well, do you want to keep doing it?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, I love what I do." And they were just like, "Well, you get down and get your head down and you work harder then." Again, that comes down to hard work and accepting that the first time might not always be the right time, but don't give up. Um, don't ever give up. It's, it's, if you want something, you have the power to work hard for it to get it, if you really want it. And I think that I was just not prepared to ever give up, regardless of missing squads. Um, I've been left out of squads for World Cups. I've been left out of squads for European Championships. I've been asked to that I wasn't required at Chelsea the first time. Um, and asked to leave the club um, but I was also asked to come back so that just shows I think strength and character and, and never giving up and, and yeah just not having a fear of rejection because it's not nice to be rejected but also not letting that make you who you are um, use it as a power to to, to, to do more do, do, to be better um, because you can always prove someone wrong whether that's your teacher, because they told you you weren't good enough, or you you maybe not studying hard enough, and you're never going to be, you're never going to get the grades you need to prove them wrong. Like that's that's sometimes a trigger to do better. Like, and I think those things is just like don't be scared of re- rejection. Use it as, as a harness to, to to be better and do better. Work hard every day and everything. Um, and and then yeah, just and I guess the biggest thing for me was just dream big because. I guess when I was seven years old starting to play football, there was no such thing as women's football in a big stage. But I guess you can always have a dream and wanting to play on a big stage. And I guess at one time I was going to play with the guys on a big stage, but now I play on the big stage with the women's team. So I think that if you have a dream, find a way of making it happen. And you can do that from any age, I think.
0: Yeah, Holly asked, "Did it was there ever a time you thought about giving up?" But I, I, I suppose you've answered that really, and that, that determination yeah. to not give up.
1: Yeah, and it isn't. It's through rejection. It's through someone saying that you're not good enough. You think, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Like, or maybe I can't do it, or it is really hard. Like, and it is like, like you. you know, when you get older, you realise like life isn't easy, but you can make it easier if you do the work. I mean, you do what's asked of you, do what's required, and. Um, or you do more than what's required if you want to be the best at something because no one's going to give it to you on a platter. Like, and that's why I love school. That's why I think about school because it is given to you on a platter. Like the teachers are giving you everything and you don't realise that because when you leave school, like it's not given to you. You have to do everything for yourself. You are effectively left on your own two feet with what you've learnt from school. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing I can take is that while you have everything at school and everything's there for you, use it. Use it while you can, because it will set you up to put you on the best journey possible for when you leave school. And if you don't, it's not to say that your opportunities will be limited, but it might be a little bit harder because you won't understand how to get those things because you didn't do it when you were younger. So, yeah, I just think that it's 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 there are easy ways of and, and, and times where you think. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. And that's okay as well because there's I went to university for a year and I didn't like it. And I said I don't want to do it. And that's not because it was hard. I passed the year, but I didn't enjoy it. And it's okay sometimes saying if you don't enjoy something that you don't want to do it, that wasn't the path I didn't want to go down. And I had five years out, and then I decided I want to go back to university. So I did it at 29 um and i studied and i loved it and i now have a market and a media degree um so yeah i think that as well like don't think that just because you don't enjoy something you can't say no to things as well like life's about learning enjoy enjoy learning who you are and, and what you love to do um but yeah i think that the main thing is is just to, to don't give up just because someone might say no the first time or the second it, time it, or the third time <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it's
0: <laughs> the the last the last episode we did of this um where we were talking to david fisher the editor one of the big big messages that came out from his story as well was was exactly what you've just been saying he got fired and um, from his first ever editing job and it kind of broke his heart but and now he's like one of the best editors in the country editing tv and film and you're like you're saying that kind of that those tastes of rejection actually then fueled the success and and i think it's so important isn't it just to not just get to the first rejection and go right well obviously i'm not good enough so i'll go and try something else but actually to to get over it and 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 actually is the pathway to success filled with failure
1: 100 percent. i reckon if you brought 25 line essays on your and did it they will tell you that they failed at something at some point if not once, if not twice, if not three times, there'll be multiple failures. But the reason probably why they got to where they were is because, or where they are now is because they never give up. And they just believed so much that they wanted to do what this one thing was, that they found a way to do it. And it, that's the thing. It's like finding a way. There's not always one way to do something. And you can't be like someone else. So me trying to be like Karen Bardley isn't going to get me the number one spot. Me being Carly Telford, but what I bring and being brilliant at what I do might be the thing that gets me above her in that moment so it's also like using what you're really good at because there's no point trying to be like someone else because you're just going to be like that someone else but probably worse because you're you and they're there and they're really good at what they do because it's who they are so I think it's just like it's using what other people have but what do you have that makes you stand up from the crowd what are you, you really good at what's your quirk are you funny are you are you witty are you smart are you a collection of those things can you put something together like it's just about being you finding what you're good at and just making it brilliant like be brilliant at it like just be brilliant at who you are that and that's the thing it's not trying to be we spend so much time looking I think at other people and trying to be like those because they're funnier than me or they're they're smarter than me or they're cleverer than me or I don't know like they've got these things but actually what are you good at like what, what's the thing that makes you tick? What's the thing that makes you get up on a morning? What's the thing that that drives you every day and, and be be really good at it? And the thing for me, I guess, was catching and kicking a ball. So I thought, you know what it is? I'm going to take this. So I'm going to run with it. Every <laughs> 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 time, really good at it. Um, but yeah, I think that that's the thing. It's it's just finding something that you, you love and, and finding a way to do it for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, it, it must be really difficult in terms of you know being a goalkeeper. You, there's always other goalkeepers in the squad, isn't there? And and yeah. it, is is there is there a constant kind of uh competition of who's gonna be the number one goalkeeper and, and and I suppose it in that sense as well, that you're probably having to deal with a lot of ups and downs of not getting picked for a certain game but then but then the ups of getting picked for another game and is is that how is that kind of emotionally to to deal with that kind of that up and down on a regular basis?
1: It's difficult and and the thing is, is that things can change really quickly. You can have someone that really likes you as a coach. And because it comes down to, I guess, management as well, people that are looking after you or, or select you for things, they can really like who you are and what you do. But then a new coach can come in and be like, well, actually, we don't really appreciate what you do. So we want, we want to go this way. And this person's actually really good at it. So then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well. What, what do I do now like where does that leave me and I think sometimes I've just kind of sat and, and accepted that and um that's probably maybe on reflection of my career could I have asked more questions and done more to kind of be like well why and how and what do I need to do um and I guess being in we call it a goalkeeper union is is a, a strange place to be because generally there are one two or three of you that are buying for one position and it's not like you can just sub a keeper in for like 10 minutes at the end to you get a little bit game time like the outfielders can. Um, but it's about, our group's about, it's it's for, for us at England and at Chelsea, we want to be the, the best goalkeeping group in the world because if we have that, then at any one time one of us is called upon, you know they're going to be successful and feel supported because in those moments as well, you need everyone to be pointing in the same direction. We can't have anyone ruining the sessions because they don't like another goalkeeper Because effectively, we're serving for each other. We're in goal for each other. Like, do you know what I mean? And if someone wants to be mean or nasty or whatever, because they don't like someone, then that's going to ruin the session for everyone. So we have to find a way of making sure that we can work together, but also push each other in a direction where it's going to make each other better. Now, it seems so mad because we're all fighting for the same spot, but we're in a team sport as well. So if one person isn't doing the job, then the whole squad's going to be let down because what's the point? Like you have to be wanting to achieve the same goals. And that doesn't mean that when I leave that camp, I can't work harder. I can't go in, study more. I can't be a better goalkeeper. So when I return, I I look better. I feel better. I'm stronger. I'm fitter. I'm faster. I'm catching more balls. I'm making more saves. And that's what I do away from there. Um, And that's what I can do every day to make me better. But when I turn up on that camp, I have to be the best teammate I can possible, or that's the only way we're going to win. That's the only way that we are going to win, is that if everybody is 100% for the team, um, and that means whether I'm starting, that I feel supported, I feel valued. Um, but if I'm not playing, I make sure that the keeper who is playing feels supported and feels valued so that they can perform to the best, because if they're playing well, I'm getting a medal, I'm getting paid, and if I'm playing, they're going to feel the same way. So that's, I think... That's the thing about being a goalkeeper is that you might not always be starting or playing. And yes, don't get me wrong. I've come home and I've been like, this isn't very good. I'm not going to use the terminology I would use. And it's horrible. And I want to be playing and I want to be pushing. But also I look around my room and I have multiple medals, multiple bottles of champagne shirts where I've played and I've supported in those roles. And I still come away with the thing that they've come away with which is the same medal, the same shirt and the same bottle of champagne. So it's just like those those moments, it's it's really, I think, hard to, to make people understand that, um, of course, I want to be playing, but also it's not always up to me.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. It, it, what could be uh, viewed as a really competitive environment, that it's actually it's turned into, well, it's, we want to be the best group, um, I, it reminds me a bit of Formula One and how the teams work there and how uh, sometimes certain drivers are asked to pull back to allow another person from their team okay. to get in front and and, yeah. and how, how difficult that must be, especially for, for, for your own development or your own even your own ego from time to time. Yeah. Um, but actually it's it's not kind of it's not about you. it's about it's about the team. And I think that yeah. I think that kind of attitude is is so transferable to, to other walks of life as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it ultimately comes down to for me, like I, again, this comes back to my mum and installing. And I think really good values within us as kids is that it's just be, being a good person. Like wanting someone else to do well doesn't make you a bad person. And it doesn't make you less of a person either. And that's okay. Like I want my teammates to do well because that means I do well as well. But also that doesn't mean that it makes me less because I'm still going to go away and work hard and then next time I might get picked to play or next time I'm I'm going to be at front and centre. And again, it comes back to just owning your area and like not wanting others to do worse so you can do better because that doesn't work either. (laughs) Like it, it doesn't, like they might do worse in that moment, but that doesn't mean they're going to get, that you're automatically going to get pushed forward. And also if they have done worse, are you ready for that moment as well? Like, have you prepared yourself best or are you just wishing, wet, like, not well on others, which doesn't doesn't sit well with me? And I think that ultimately, I've always wanted to be the best teammate I can and the best person I can in this environment. And when I eventually retire, I'd like to think that I've done, I've ticked those boxes, but I've collected a hell of a lot of medals and trophies along the way, which is a billy bonus, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: there's there's a great question that I'm going to play on the screen for you, uh, which relates to this, um, uh, from Miss Sefton. So I'm just gonna, I'll play that for you now.
1: Hi Carly, I'm a massive fan of the WSL so it's brilliant to have you with us. I was just wondering if you think there's anything about the ethos or the values of Chelsea as a club that makes them so successful on top of the quality of players and management and things like that. Oh, Did you get that? Love that. <laughs> Love that? Let's have some water. I... <laughs> Stop. Stop picking our values at Chelsea. Um, no, I think... I think... Look, we're we're ran by a fantastic manager. So I went to Chelsea, I think it was about eight years ago when Emma first came to the club. And look, we were only allowed to park in the car park. We were only allowed to train on the 3G at eight o'clock at night, two hours, twice a week. Um, We only had one set of kit. And I remember when Emma came in and she'd been in America for like four or five years in like the biggest league at the time that were paying thousands and thousands of dollars. And she came in and she was just, and I was captain at the time at Chelsea. And she was like, right, calls." she was like, what is going on at this club? Like, we need to make it better. It's just not, this is not professional. This is not this. And I was just like, well, good luck trying to make it anything different because no one seems to be bothered. And she was like, I'm not having it. She was like, I'm telling you now, four years' time, we will be in the Champions League and we'll have trophies. And I was kind of like, okay, cool. Um, didn't really think much of it. And then I got released six months later. Not because I told her that, but because she just had this thing that she she was going to make changes, and there would be changes that would shock the club, changes that would, she she went knocking on doors, so she went up to the highest people, the directors, knocked on the doors in the offices and kind of said, what's going on? We need this. Do you want your women's team to be successful? Do you want Chelsea to be successful? Because ultimately that it was, that's what it is. Do you want Chelsea men to be here and Chelsea women to be here? Because eventually that's what's going to happen, and it's still Chelsea. <laughs> it's still the same name, but it's getting dragged through the mud down here while your men are up here sort of thing. So she was kind. Of, she's been the driver from day one um, of our values, and it started with her. And I, I think that as a manager and as a person, she only breeds success. And then you just look in four years, in the four years that she did have the team. They won their first WSL. They made Champions League. She's been able to bring in some of the the biggest and the best names in women's football. And her values just come down to a lot of what I've discussed, I guess, that they echo through me. And when you work with, I guess, top-level managers and coaches, a lot of them are probably the same. I think if you sat in with Jurgen Klopp um, and people like that, he would probably have similar values, which is work hard. And that's, again, a foundation for everything we do. Even though we are the best in the league, um, you we know, are unbeaten in 32 games in the league, we still cross that white line knowing whoever we're playing, whether it's bottom of the league, top of the league... Um, well not top league wear it but in and around us we're gonna to have to work hard you have to earn the right to play you have to earn the right to be on that pitch first with that team and then you can play football then you show your style then comes the the stuff I guess the flair and the stuff that looks good and the tactics and the and the whatnot and the individuals that, that are amazing but working hard is is something that we've always had but I think because of her background it's about staying humble we appreciate where we've come from we appreciate that we're in a transition period of I have been spent a lot of my career as a non-professional and I've done the hard yards as such, the, the long drives, the the unpaid, the pain to play. And now I'm in a position where I get paid to play. Like, don't forget that. Don't forget the fans that have been with you on, on the journey as well and, and appreciating that and the people that invest in our game. Um, and I guess that comes down to being humble and, and knowing where you're from and not shouting from the roofs about the car you drive, the house you own. Uh, the branded clothes you might wear. It's about playing football and doing what we love and, and showing that on the pitch. Uh, so, again, that's, an, that's another value we have. Um, and then, I guess, a winning mentality. So, you come to a club like Chelsea to win. Like You don't come here for any other reason. Yes, I want to get better as a player and a, as a person, but I'm here because my trophy cabinet's not that full, so I want to fill it. And how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you gain... Um, you're already a good player, but how do you get better? So you have to ask questions. You have to work hard. You have to work harder than the other person because they're working hard. You're the best club in the world. Like everyone's working hard. So what do you got to do to to be better than that? You've got to go in and do your gym. You've got to go in upstairs and do your video analysis. You've got to stay out extra hours on the pitch. And these are all things that I think that Emma has been able to install, and they're like three key values that we always want to have. And I think ultimately, with that, with the the staff and the players, it's about togetherness. So how do we get that feeling that everybody is working for the greater purpose of the team? And I think at the minute we have a great togetherness. Uh, you see that on the pitch. No matter who we play in what game, whether that's a youngster, new player, an old head, um a new recruit in terms of some of the academy players we we brought on the other night against Aston Villa, two 17-year-old kids that have been training with us. Like they just know that what's expected of them, how they slot in. But they also know that just because you're a Sam Kerr, who's a world uh, class, is a world-class athlete who is world-renowned all over the world, you are Georgia Fox at 17 years old who's just left school that day. She went to school in the morning or studied on the bus. Now you're playing with her. You're on the same team as her. The same pictures her but you're just as valued that is so important because that just means that everyone can be themselves which is ultimately important because you're a team but we want everyone to feel comfortable in their own skin and i think the those four values have been so key to i guess chelsea's successes over the past four or five years of multiple trophies um but also that comes down to the manager who drives every single day
0: yeah I- that that kind of sense of discipline as well, uh, even at the highest level, and like you, you've been left school for a while now, and and you still live and by a, a lot of discipline. And I think a lot of a lot of people think, well, I'll I'll get through school. It's a very disciplinary area, school, and and then I can do whatever I want. But actually, success comes from keeping that discipline discipline in place. And there was there was a there was something in the media recently about. Uh, I think somebody had leaked uh, Frank Lampard's uh, sheet of different fines that players could get if they were like turning up late or uh, you probably can't <laughs> comment on this. Uh, sorry for bringing it up. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it just, I think people were shocked by that level of, of discipline and then the consequences if, if you weren't on, on top of your game as well.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because like, look, Instagram and, and social media is great. Like it looks like us footballers live an amazing lifestyle. Trust me, our lives are boring, very boring, because that's what we have to do. Our job is about playing football and performing at the highest level. So, yes, I go to training at nine o'clock. I get home at two o'clock. I'll have my lunch. I'll walk my dog. I'll sit in the house. Not, do, I mean, lots of us are sitting in the house at the minute. But even when back in the day, I take the dog for walk. I might go and grab a coffee. I'll come home. I'll cook my tea. I go to bed. I do it again because I can't go out shopping i can't i don't want to be on my feet too long because if the next day i'm tired i'm in trouble like i don't can't look tired on the pitch i can't go out clubbing as much as i want to and all my friends do and go on holiday when i want. i have to go on holiday in the two or three weeks i get off that's if i get two or three weeks off in the summer and yes it looks great for that week people are weighing on boat parties or whatever but that is one week of your life <laughs> like i don't get like no offence to teachers 15 weeks off a year where i can get to go on holiday like at all these different times and experience Like, it looks great on paper, but sometimes it is, like, a difficult life to to have because it's actually very mundane and very boring. And I've missed out on my best friend's weddings, (laughs) my best friend's hen parties, because I can't go. And it's down to discipline. Like, do I want to be successful? And I have to apply. And if anyone turns up to our wedding, I'll be very surprised. It'll just be our footballers because that's the only weddings we can never go to is each other's. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, like, discipline is the thing that gets you where you want to be um, and that is the top of uh, top of our game um, and I, I guess yeah and that's, that's life in general, you leave school, like say you feel very I guess dictated to at school but you leave and you have to get a job and you have to be in at eight o'clock and you have to work till five o'clock and then you might have to take calls after work so actually being at school is less because you go to school at eight o'clock, half eight, and you finish by three and you get to do what you want on a night time. All right, maybe have a little bit of housework, but then you get um, homework, but then you get to do what you want. When it comes to work, like if you live in London, you might be commuting for an hour, you're in work for seven, eight hours, and then you commute home for an hour. Guess what? Seven, eight o'clock, and you're tired, and you go to bed, and then you do it all again. <laughs> so it's like that those skills have to be transferred into life. It's not just like free-for-all when you leave. Yes, maybe gap years, etc., cetera, and you, and you go to university and have, you enjoy a bit of that. But when it comes down to, like, real life, sometimes a little bit harder than school. So that's why you should enjoy it while you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: we, we haven't got much time left, but we, I've got a few questions. If we, if we could do this maybe a bit like quick fire, uh, just uh, if, if that's all right. So the first one is, uh, it's, a, it's another video uh, from... Dylan, asking about... I, I suppose you've just talked about the uh, the difficulties of being a, a professional footballer, but he asks about what are the perks. So I'll, I'll hand over to Dylan.
1: Hi, Carly. Um, I just wanted to know what is the perks of becoming a footballer? Okay, Dylan. So the good things are I have travelled to about, I'd say... 25 countries over my over the course of my career so most of europe all over the world amazing absolute dream travel when you leave school please if anyone travel the world as much when obviously covid allows you to but please travel the world there are some amazing places out there uh two i have actually drove some really nice cars some of the benefits of playing in big competitions being that sometimes companies want to give you really nice cars so that's been a really nice uh, perk and um yeah i get to do what i love every single day as a job and get paid for it so i guess that's another pretty cool perk um but yeah i guess they're my top 3
0: <laughs> <laughs> amazing uh, emily is asked who scored the trickiest goal that you ever had to try and save in your career
1: oh that's a very good a tricky one um ooh i might have to come back at that one at the end i'll come back at that one okay at the end,
0: yeah, no worries. Uh, is it Jaden has asked? Is it hard to juggle? And I guess you've kind of already touched on this: uh, your football life and your social life.
1: Yeah, um, I guess it's just become routine for me now. But I think when I was younger, so when I was probably in my early twenties, I liked life a lot more than football. Um, and I guess that's part of being young and naive—like you just think you can do both. So I was—I lived in London, so I was definitely enjoying London life probably a lot more than I should have. And that paid the price ultimately because that was also the period I got released from Chelsea. So a good lesson is find a good balance and make sure you do the thing that you love doing is the priority and not the thing that you enjoy potentially in, um, in going out at the time <laughs> and having a good, a good time um but yeah i think that that i've learned obviously is is make sure that the thing that i want to do in life is the priority not the thing that um i guess enjoy for that moment um so yeah it, it can be difficult but um it's yeah i guess that was my life lesson in that moment
0: brilliant awesome. uh, and Dar- darcy and nicole uh have asked is it hard to be a goalkeeper and what advice would you give to somebody who wants to be a professional goalkeeper
1: uh i'd say from the months of october to march it's awful because it's just wet and muddy and cold <laughs> <laughs> i didn't sign up for that. no it's it's trust me I, I the girls are always like why do you like i've come in from training i'm covered in mud and they're like how do you do it like it's freezing out there it's so cold. but i just i just love it like it's nothing i'd rather be doing like them lot stood around like uh, balls around but why not just throw myself around like it is hard work and there's long hours sometimes. like We're always the first out on pitch. So the girls will go out at half 11. We're always out at quarter past 11, 15 minutes early. And usually we're out a little bit later as well just to get our work done before we join in with the team. So, yeah, it is hard work. But it's also the fun the fun part of the job, I think we get to get all the equipment out we have the air buddies out which are the big bloke mannequins we have tennis balls out tennis records and working on hand eye coordination we use laser lights to work on our like eyes so you get to do all the fun stuff whereas the girls who play outfield they just have to kick balls around and it's pretty boring really so i'd say yeah um, <laughs> it, is, it is a lot of fun it is a lot of hard work and muddy work but um for me it's still the best position on the pitch because it's the funnest job
0: amazing uh, we uh we've got one last one before we go back to the trickiest goal one uh, yeah. ashton has asked uh, in your whole career what what has been the greatest struggle
1: great that's struggle. Uh, quite quite
0: a broad question but yeah
1: yeah i think probably um sacrifice so i moved away from home when i was 18 and i've spent most of since being 18 living away from home living away from friends living away from family Having to do a lot of my stuff at a distance, um, like say missing weddings, missing hen parties, missing some of my friends having children and what that was like, that experience, missing family birthdays, family occasions. I think that's probably the hardest thing when I look back. Like, There's a lot of things I've missed out on because of football and, and making that choice. Um, but at the same time, I know that I've been supported in everything that I've done. And some of my friends have always said, "Like, don't worry, like we understand. Um, we'll still be there at your wedding." <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> um, but yeah, they'll they always be there. And, and like when I when I played in the World Cup, Craig, Lindsay, uh, Craig's Craig's wife, um, and and just they were all they were all there for me. Like that's that's been the beauty about it. It's like, um. I've just always been supported even though I've had to make those sacrifices like it's sometimes sad at the time and I, I do miss being home and I've missed my my family but um I know they're always there and, and lucky enough we all have these in our possession so they're never really that far away um and yeah I think that knowing that they're all supporting me has made that sacrifice a little bit easier but making them hard decisions to miss those things has probably been the worst part about it but when I, when I look back on it hopefully they weren't that bad decision when I look at my little trophy cabinet
0: <laughs> and yeah the last question the trickiest goal that anyone's ever scored <laughs> against you
1: I think one of the most skillful and one of the most amazing players that I've ever played alongside uh, will be a footballer called Kelly Smith who's obviously now retired um, but I was lucky enough to play with her in England for four or five years and her skills being unbel- is, is unbelievable. She was a left foot player that could use her right foot. She was usually up to something tricky. Um, and yeah, she's, she would multiple multiple times catch me off my line and, and lob me or or just take it round me and, and have me sat down before I could even know which way she was going. Um, so I'd say that there's probably not a particular one because like, see, I was lucky enough to train with her on England camps for multiple days and you'd be up against her all the time and she'd try different stuff. Um, but she's probably the most trickiest player, and probably the most skillful player in terms of, of of not knowing what she was going to do and how she was going to do it. And the most difficult person I have faced um, in my career.
0: Quality. Uh, thank you so much for for joining us. And I think it's it's so important that we just we that your, the fact that you're from Stanley, you went to Tanfield School, you oh. you. at the risk of being cheesy you're one of us and 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 then you're representing your country on that national level is is amazing and so inspirational for us so thank you for joining us
1: no thank you for having me and um like i will never shy away from being from stanley it'll always be my hometown for as as long as for as long as i live it's a beautiful part of the world for what it is i think as well you appreciate when you move away the countryside and how we're so close to the beach so close to the, the 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 hills and the mountains and yeah, it's a small mining town, but it is what it is, and I love it, and uh, it will always be my home.
0: Cool. We better let you go. You got a game this evening, haven't you?
1: Yeah, we got a semi-final hey, hey. county cup. We got West Ham, West Ham tonight, so we get that. We're in another final, so um apologies for not being able to do it as as we wanted to, but um I'm just glad we got it done because I didn't I didn't want to miss out on it.
0: Oh, thank you so much, and good luck for the game tonight.
1: No, thank you very much. And lastly, thank you for all teachers and for the school for, I guess, putting me on this journey that I'm on, because I I guess I never really got a chance to say thank you. I, I do keep in touch with my old form tutor a little bit, but yeah um trust me guys enjoy school for what it is because it is um, best probably not the best five years of my life but it was a really really special time in life and i made some really special memories so um enjoy school while you can and um, hopefully all safe and sound and maybe one day i'll get back into school and see you all so thank you
0: for having me yeah we'd love to have you thanks carly Cheers.